Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, so today I want to take a step away from sort of practical stuff and, and policy issues and tackle kind of a more core economics concept um, that I think is still useful when you're having conversations with people um, who are, are very committed to a sort of liberal um, economic policy worldview. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to talk through uh, kind of uh, uh, what was sort of the beginning of the, the crisis of morality that I kind of had uh, let's see, about three years ago, back in June of 2016. And uh, specifically, I, I started to realize uh, that the there was this divergence between what I claimed to have as a moral view um, as a Catholic, and I've, I've been Catholic since 2007. Um, I converted when I was in college. Um, to, you know, the, the difference between that moral perspective and the kind of economic policy um, paradigm, not just the, the policy views, you know, on specific things, but the paradigm that I held at the time. And, and so I, I started to realize that there were some problems, there were some gaps uh, between these two things for me. And I was, I was trying to figure out how to reconcile this stuff. And so um, I'm going to put a link to this blog post that I wrote back then uh, on my old blog that is now defunct. Um, and just kind of, uh, it, you know, you'll be able to see all the sources and see where I'm quoting from and stuff like that in this blog post. So uh, that's, that should keep things nice and tidy. So essentially what had happened is I had read an article that, uh, the, in the Wall Street Journal that had an interview with uh, uh, an economics commentator guy that I, that I really uh, enjoyed listening to at the time. And I just want to read a couple paragraphs real quick from that interview to kind of set up uh, what was happening in my head. Uh, so this is from the uh, Wall Street Journal interview with uh, Russ Roberts. Economics fancies itself a science, and Mr. Roberts used to believe, as many of his peers do, that practitioners could draw dispassionate conclusions, but he has in recent years undergone something of a crisis of economic faith. The problem is, you can't look at the data objectively most of the time, he says. You have prior beliefs that are methodological or ideological about the impact of things, and that inevitably color the assumptions you make. A recent survey of 131 economists by Anthony Randazzo and Jonathan Haidt found that their answers to moral questions predicted their answers to empirical ones. An economist who defines fairness as a quality of outcome might be more likely to say that austerity hurts growth or that single-payer health care would bend the cost curve. The paper's authors quote Milton Friedman's brief for value-free economics and reply that such a thing is no more likely to exist than is the frictionless world of high school physics problems. So that's the end of the quote there from uh, this article. And, you know, this was, it was interesting to me at the time just remembering, uh, you know, when I had read this. Um, it, it, it was it, it was sort of it sort of coalesced a lot of the thoughts that I had at the time because I had been kind of just thinking through this issue of okay can I really sit here and say that you know every time someone disagrees with the 
sort of the ostensible conclusions of economics or economic theory as I understood it, the paradigm that I understood it in. Can I really say that, um, you know, the, is my best defense honestly, uh, well, you don't understand economics, right? Because that is what you hear. When someone, um, <laughs> when, when someone comes up to, uh, you know, when, when, when someone says, uh, well, I think we should have, uh, you know, pick your thing, right? Uh, we should have, uh, you know, some kind of trade policy, right? We should have uh, tariffs or something. Uh, then, you know, the, the response of the sort of very online uh, economist is, well, you just don't understand economics. You don't understand what that would do. Uh, you know, the, the, the negative effects of that, right? And so, and this is where, uh, you know, this is where you start to see this, um, the silliness of this thing that in economics we call the normative positive distinction, right? So, so in economics, the, the, the standard line is that we can draw this bright line between uh, positive analysis, which is just, you know, well, what will happen if, you know, we tweak this policy or if we, you know, allow this thing to happen, if we allow gas prices to fluctuate uh, on the market without any kind of influence, uh, or if we tax this more, tax this less, you know, what will happen? Uh, what, how will people respond? Uh, so that's one you know, sort of flavor uh, of, of economic analysis that's, that's supposedly, you know, over here on one side, right, this is positive analysis. Whereas normative analysis, we're told, is, ah, so here is where we get at, uh, you know, policy questions. You know, well, what should we do, right? What is the, you know, welfare enhancing uh, solution? What is the welfare maximizing solution? What is the Pareto optimal, uh, you know, et cetera? Um, and so what economics has done is developed all of these sort of uh, devices, uh, these economic analysis devices that supposedly generate uh, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, analytical solution to uh, a, what is obviously inherently a political problem. And I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm foreshadowing a bit here. And so, you know, one way to to kind of put this a little more neatly is to think about a specific, um, you know, concern within the normative frame of economics, um, and that would be uh, uh, externalities. So an externality, for those who aren't super familiar with economics, um, uh, according to the Google dictionary, is a side effect or consequence of an industrial or commercial activity that affects other parties without this being reflected in the cost of the goods or services involved, such as the pollination of surrounding crops by bees kept for honey. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that they use bees kept for honey as an example because it, it's it's kind of funny that uh, because there is uh, a uh, there actually is a market for uh, honey bees and there was a Professor up in the Pacific Northwest who uh, kind of delivered on this idea, but you, know, you can imagine it probably most easily. You can imagine it as uh, like a pollution thing, right? So let's say you you have a you, you know you have a house downriver from my factory, right? And uh, you know my factory, I just kind of go out and you know dump my waste from my facility into the river, and then that uh, you know kills the fish or you know, makes, makes the water smelly or, or whatever, 
you know, next to your home down the river from my factory, right? Um, and so the idea is that, you know, depending on the institutional structure, right, the, the laws or the regulations that exist, in theory, this is an externality, right? Because the uh, because I'm not I'm not paying the cost of the disposal of my waste product, right? And that and that waste product is imposing a cost on you, right? And namely, it's killing the fish, or you know, it's it's contaminating your soil, or it's contaminating the air, or something like that, right? So this is sort of the standard argument from uh, economics and from a normative perspective when we start to talk about. Um, you know, uh, regulation and stuff like that, especially, you know, I don't know, environmental regulation, but it could be anything, it could be anything. I mean, it literally could be like, uh, you know, the fact that, um, you know, you smile at people, right? And they're not, you know, this is the silly example you get in some of these economics classes. Oh, well, you, you know, you smile at someone. And so, you know, it's a positive externality because they're not, um, they're not paying you for the, uh, you know, instead of, instead of that smile imposing a cost on you, like the other pollution did, now the, the, the uh, the smile is benefiting you, right? Uh, because you find that person attractive or something, um, and so you know that, that because you're not explicitly paying them for that smile, then they're not they're not able to be compensated for the benefit that they're granting you, right? I mean, this is, you know you can obviously apply the concept to these ridiculous things, and you know maybe that helps get the point across to the class or whatever. But um, so yeah, I was I was really troubled by. You know this discussion of externalities and um, and really just this idea that it, it it felt like I was supposed to be because I'm an economist I'm automatically supposed to be a utilitarian, right? I'm automatically just supposed to take the output of you know these um, you know these so-called normative analyses, right? Um, and just simply apply them. And anytime I disagree, right? Anytime I think that we should have tariffs um, or you know that that certain types of regulation are are a good idea, um, or maybe a bad idea, for reasons outside of simply what you know an economist model can count up, right? Um, you know, in theory, we can you know it's like oh we can we can measure the externality, right? We can measure the problems that are created by um, you know certain environmental pollutants, or you know we can measure the reduction in GDP due to uh, you know tariffs or uh, quotas or those sorts of things, right? I mean, these are examples. And in my head, I'm like, well, wait a minute. So you're saying that because I agree with you that, you know, for, from sort of a, I guess if we're going to maintain this bright line between positive and normative, right? Because I agree with you that a tariff would reduce GDP per capita per person in the United States, then therefore I have to commit myself to saying we should never use tariffs. Well, that seems idiotic. What if there are other considerations outside of purely GDP, right? Um, and just as a quick aside, this gets to a lot of these discussions that the right has within itself, right? So you have, uh, you know, folks like, oh, I don't know, um, the Acton Institute or Tom Woods or whatever on one side, and then you have, you know, I don't know, maybe Orrin Cass or Sora Bumari. Uh, or people like this on the other side, right? And it's, it, again, it, it devolves into this silly, well, you don't understand economics. It's like, no, uh, they just have a slightly broader view of, of uh, you know, what is what is legitimately, you know, a moral question. And so, it, you know, so someone on the Orrin Cass or you know, Sarah Omari, I'm, I'm not putting the 
words in these people's mouths. I'm just using them as examples, right? You know, it, they would say something like, well, all you care about is GDP, right? And so then the, the Tom Woods or Acton Institute side would come back and say, well, that's not true. You know, we care about all kinds of stuff. You know, we care about uh, you know, people being uh, you know, good members of their community and blah, 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 blah. We just don't think that it's okay for the government to do X, Y, Z, right? And it's like, okay, well, hold on a second. See, this is the thing. is because now we're having a disagreement about the effectiveness of the policy, right? Now we're having a disagreement about what are the effects of the tariff, right? And so, you know, to some extent, um, it's kind of interesting that, you know, the claim from the Acton Institute side is that, well, you don't understand economics, right? Talking to the Orin Cass of the world, right? Um, and then the response is simply that, well, no, it's just that we don't think economics is everything, right? We don't think you're, you know, we don't, we don't think people should be obsessed with GDP, because literally every time we say, you know, let's let's impose tariffs to protect jobs, it's like, well, that's silly because you know GDP per capita is going to go down, and you know, yo, some people might lose their jobs with free trade, but you know, that's okay, they'll be compensated somehow. And, and it's like, well, maybe they won't, right? <laughs> maybe in real reality, in concrete reality, they won't be compensated, right? It's like, oh, well, in the long run, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, in the long run. So how long is that, right? And in the real world, how long is it going to take for these adjustments to take place, right? How do you expect a 55-year-old dude who has three kids and lives in West Virginia to retrain? Are you going to tell him to learn to code? <laughs> you see... So it's, I think it's, I think part of it is, is a, it's this whole confusion that gets created by this moment of positive distinction. And then the other part of it is um, just a fundamental moral consideration between this idea of, of, of you know, free markets and, and, you know, hands off, the government can't do anything versus, well, you know, the most important thing is community. The most important thing is, um, you know, a reduction in risk and security and stuff like this. And so, obviously, you know, these policy tools are perfectly fine. Right? I don't care if you're going to sit there and, you know, wave a yellow flag at me and say, you know, don't step on the snake or, um, you know, or, or, you know, taxation is theft, blah, blah, blah. These are just platitudes, right? This is just not how humanity works. Um, and, and it's certainly not um, you know, incumbent on... on uh, you know, Catholic or any type of Christian, really, to, to take these, um, you know, hyper-liberal, um, you know, Enlightenment-era perspectives, uh, necessarily. Uh, and so, what ended up happening, kind of back to my blog post here, is I ended up finding this article uh, in, let's see, the Journal of Institutional Economics, which is a, I mean, that's a solid journal. Um, and essentially, it's it's a it's an article called uh, "Externalities as a Basis for Regulation: A Philosophical View." And so I have it linked. And you probably it's probably behind a paywall, so you'd be able to read the abstract, and that would be about it. Um, but I, I pulled an abstract, or I pulled a I pulled a, a, an excerpt from the introduction uh, in there, and then I kind of had some discussion in the blog post. Um, but but uh, I want to read. A short quote from another section of the paper in, in the conclusion. Um, and so, uh, let's see here, Professor Clausen, who, who is a, a, a philosopher, right? So, he's a philosopher writing an article in the Journal of Institutional Economics, in an economics journal, talking about externalities 
right? So these these external costs, this uh, you know the the garbage, the the cost that's imposed on you when I when I dump my garbage in the river, uh, you know, upstream from you. Um, yeah, these the cost imposed on people and and the basis for regulating, uh, you know, people's behavior. So is it okay for the government to use regulation to fix these problems? Um, and so. What he says is, uh, this is the last part of his conclusion. Third, what these basic interests are in the end is a matter of political dispute. So he's referring to, uh, you know, the, the the interests of the public, right? What what do people value? What do people care about? Do people care about community? Do they care about individualism? Do they care about, uh, you know, the, the the rights of the state? Do they care about bread lines? You know, whatever it doesn't matter. Um, you know, these basic human interests. Third, what these basic interests are in the end is a matter of political dispute. Economists who have complained about the politicization of externality analyses have simply failed to accept the inherently political nature of questions about the organization of social and economic life. I mean, and that was, for me, that was just, it, it, was, it was so great because everything just sort of coalesced in my head. And I was like, I get it now. You know, economics claims to be, you know, the queen of the social sciences, right? We're supposed to just think, oh my goodness, look at how, look at how wonderful economics is, right? And we can, economics can just sort of absorb all the other social sciences within it by just kind of modifying the names. Like, uh, you know, uh, political science and economics is just called public choice, right? So now we have this thing called public choice. Now we can just completely consume all of political science. It's not an independent field now. It's just, uh, it's, it's part of the, uh, you know, <laughs> it's part of the, it's one of the subjects, the, the, uh, the, the subfields of economics. And it's just so silly because, of course, you know, this is people, people, uh, normal people, right? Before the Enlightenment, people did not, you know, determine uh, moral questions by trying to figure out, you know, how many utils were, uh, you know, produced by this activity. I mean, this is just, it's sick and it's weird. Um, you know, this, this whole utilitarian uh, framework that, that economics kind of uh, sneaks in, right? And I talk about this a lot. Economics sneaks in uh, a lot of moral and ethical principles um, and, and just sort of hides them. Uh, under this rubric of, oh, this is just this is just straight economics, folks. This is, there's no moral judgments here. Well, I don't buy it. Um, and so, like I said, I, I think uh, this paper is interesting. If you're if you have academic access, it's probably worth reading. Um, if you can get it for free. Um, but essentially, the point I want to make here, just to kind of summarize, is that you know you have to be careful the ways in which people will try to sneak. Moral and economic, or moral and ethical views, under the guise of just you know sort of straight laced, uh, you know economic analysis, right? And even when they're going to say it's a normative analysis, right? They still won't admit um, to all of these moral assumptions they're making, right? They're still saying, well, the, only the costs and benefits that we can count, that we can measure, are valuable. Um, and so I want to. Yeah, I put a tweet out on the Trad Dad's tweet uh, Twitter earlier today, um, and I said something. I don't, I don't have it pulled up right now, but I said something like, "Look, the reality is, all, all externalities are uh, depend for you know their their existence and their magnitude are determined politically. Period. End of story. 
you know, there is no externality in, in, in a realistic sense. Okay, yeah, we can give silly examples like, you know, uh, you know, like the, the, the smiling thing or like, you know, there's only one person living downstream from me, from my factory. Well, that's silly, right? There wouldn't ever just be one person who would be affected. Um, and so these are things, these things are obviously political, right? And so there's a certain subjectivity to them in the sense that, you know, if the, if the public does not um, value the things that are being, uh, you know, the, that are being destroyed, right? But they don't, they don't, um, they don't perceive the costs, right? Then, um, then it's very hard for you to uh, come up with some kind of, of way of, of internalizing those external costs, right? Um, or external benefits, even. So, um, you know, the, I think the, the main reminder is, is you know, don't let uh, you know something like economics dictate your morality. Um, and, and I think we do have a huge problem with that um, on the right and within Catholic circles uh, in both cases, right? The, the sort of fusionist right wing has a huge problem with this. Um, and to some extent, the, the Catholic right wing has a problem with this. And it's, and it's not good. It's a problem. It's, it's, um, and, you know, there are several issues with it. Firstly, it's, you know, you're, you're putting your you know, you're, you're vesting, um, you know, an institution or an entity or a group of people with more moral authority than they actually should have. Um, and, and second of all, um, it's just bad economics in my mind, right? Uh, it just is, uh, you know, economics is, uh, when it, when it's doing done well, it's done in a fashion, uh, that is, as purely positive as it can be. Of course, it can never be 100% purely positive, but as purely positive as it can be. Um, anytime we talk about applying economics and economic policy, we have automatically entered the realm of normative economics that is not, um, that is political inherently, and that has costs and benefits that are unmeasurable. Uh, but must be taken into account. Um, so with that, I'll sign off. I, I want to thank you so much for listening, uh, for everybody who is downloading uh, on the podcast apps. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate our YouTube subscribers as well. Um, please, if you uh, if you would like to support us, one one really easy way to support us, uh, support me, I guess, the Trad Dads podcast um, and, and my other efforts that are... Um, in the works uh, would be to go from listening on YouTube to downloading on the podcast app because then I'm able to run the ads and um, get a little kickback out of the out of those ads. You can also support directly uh, through Anchor. Um, Anchor has been a great platform uh, so far. You know, with all these platform wars and everybody, uh, you know, talking about you know everyone getting kicked off. I think Zero Hedge was just kicked off Twitter today for saying something about the coronavirus. So, uh, you know, Anchor is doing well on that front so far. So, uh, but, you know, things are in the works on the platform then too. So, you know, not, no announcements right now, but uh, please stay tuned. Uh, again, thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.